I'm always thankful for the opportunity to preach the word of God. And so if you would, please stand with me as we honor God's word. Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter five, verses 43 through 48 in Luke chapter six, verses 27 and 28. You'll find it on the screen as I read aloud. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. In the parallel text in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter six, verse 27 and 28. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. This is the word of the Lord. You may have your seat. So uh, I need to share a story with you guys um, before we dive into the text. Um, the Lord always has a way uh, to teach his children, uh, to teach his children the lessons that we see in Scripture. Um, and he's done that for me uh, time and time again. But as I was preparing for this sermon, he did it in a very, very vivid way um, to make sure that I was going to be the type of person to practice what I preach. So as I'm preparing for sermons, um, I'm asking the Lord what he would have me to preach on, what he would have me to teach. I'm asking him to direct me by the power of the spirit to what the people need to hear. So I take into account what the Lord has been teaching me. I take into account what's going on in the culture. I take into account what's going on in the body of the people at Urban Hope. And as I was doing this um, this time around, um, the Lord laid on my heart the scripture for today. Um, but on Wednesday, um, I hadn't fully processed how to preach it or, or what exactly the Lord wanted me to say in the details. And so on Wednesday, um, Brother Michael um, was asking some of us uh, to come and help out with this house on Lower Nolan. Um, some of you know it very well. It's known finally around here as the White House. And um, some of you have lived there. And so, you know, um, the condition that it was in and everything like that. And it had been vacant for a while. And so on Wednesday, we were going to go over there and start kind of prepping um, this house for a family to move into. And so, um, you know, Michael was already over there. Chad was already over there. Malcolm was already over there. I was doing some work in the office. So I came a little later behind them. And my, my, um, Michael had left and gone to Home Depot. 
uh, to get a couple supplies from Home Depot. And so when I got there, um, I noticed this car pull up and kind of pulled up, kind of slowly um, stopped, rolled down their window and was just looking. And I didn't really quite know what they were doing, but I was paying attention. I was watching them as they were watching me. Um, and we had some like trash bags out. We had already been, there had already been some work being done over there and there's some trash bags out towards the edge of the street. Um, and so I went in and, and kind of still peeked out to see if they were still there and they were still kind of creeping and looking and not really, you know, doing what, I didn't know what they were doing, to be honest. They were just kind of creeping. <laughs> and, uh, and so they finally left. Um, I didn't think anything of it. So I went upstairs, saw what the rest of the guys were doing. We were about to join them. And then Michael uh, arrived um, with the supplies from Home Depot. And so he came in and said, you know, asked for help to come back out and and get some of the stuff and bring it in. Well, as we're going out, um, we step out into the the front yard and a police officer pulls up. And so um, I personally, I'm just going to confess to y'all, like, I have had different run-ins with the police in the past, and I'm not a fan of the police. I mean, like, I know that they are necessary, but my my experiences in the past has kind of tainted my view of them. And I know there's a lot of things that's going on in the culture right now, and there's a battle over this and defund the police and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord is growing me in that area. But if I had to do a scale of enemy to friend, if I'm honest, Police, when I think of police, I would kind of lean a little bit towards that enemy side. That's just the way that some of the things that I've experienced has kind of pro- I've processed it. And um, there's a little bit of distrust and I've just had negative experiences um, in, in cer- certain cases. And so as these police officers, as this one police officer pulls up, I'm thinking in my head, OK, here we go. And he gets out the car and he's looking at the bags and he's like, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, me and Michael are trying to explain to him that, you know, we're doing some work on this house. We're trying to get it ready for a family that's about to move in. It's been vacant for a while and we're just trying to get it ready for him. And um, he says, well, you know, all these bags out here, you know, what, what, are, what are they for? And, you know, and we were explaining to him that we brought stuff out and stuff like that. And he said, well, you can't put this here, you know, um, you, you, you're going to get fined with an illegal dumping fee, uh, a ticket for that, for illegal dumping. And, you know, we were trying to explain to him that, you know, the stuff came out of the house, you know, like we we're just cleaning up the house. We can take it back in if we need to. Like, we don't need to get a fine, an $800 fine for illegal dumping. And um, and so he just started, we, he started questioning us about the situation, about people living there and stuff like that. And so we explained to him um, that there was a family moving in and, the owner of the house live in Atlanta and we're representatives of the church and we kind of work as a property managers while he's away and try to you know, manage the situation when somebody's living there. And he just wasn't hearing it. So he was like, well, if that's the case, then does this owner of the house have a business license, a uh, business license? Because uh, in order to uh, uh, rent out your house, you need a business license in the city, something I had never heard of. I wasn't aware of that. And so we were like, no, well, you know, we don't have a business license. He doesn't have a business license for it. And then Michael was like, well, what if he allows the family to live there for free? Like, what if he doesn't charge them rent? And he tried to skirt around that. But point being that he was determined that day to give us a ticket for something. (laughs) 
And he did. He actually ended up writing a ticket. He told us one of us is going to have to take it because the owner's not there. So it's going to be me or Michael is going to take this ticket. So Michael volunteered uh, to take the ticket and uh, he left. And while I was in that situation, I was getting very, 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 very frustrated, really frustrated. Um, anger was starting to boil up in me towards this police officer because we were just trying to move a family into this house. Um, we, if he knew, I was thinking in my head, if he knew the work that Urban Hope was trying to do in the community of Fairfield and how we're trying to bring peace to the city and all this, like why would he give us such a hard time? Um, and I was just really, really frustrated. Michael was too. We were both frustrated. And we went back in the house. And, you know, I just remember thinking, you know, doesn't he have better things to do? Doesn't he have better, you know, other things he needs to be solving instead of worrying about us <laughs> and, and, and cleaning out a house? Right. And so I, I felt that welling up in me, that anger, that frustration. And I already had that background with the police. So I was like, you know, this is why I don't like the police. And this is the very reason they just mess with you for no reason. And um, and I was wrestling with that for a moment. And we went back in the house and brought the stuff back in after he left and gave the ticket to Michael. And I was just really, really frustrated, just really uh, upset with this police officer and what he had done and just the attitude that he had. It just just wasn't a good situation. And so as I'm bringing the stuff in, uh, thing, this is what I'm talking about with the Lord. Uh, he teaches you in the moment. He reminded me, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Aren't you about to preach that text? And I was like, yeah. And so, you know, we sat there and we were trying to figure out what we needed to do because this family was going to be here in a few days and we had this ticket. And, you know, we were just trying to figure out how to go about the situation. We called our brother EJ, who's a newly elected councilman, see if he could help us out with the case. Yep. Um, see if he can make some phone calls for us and all this kind of stuff. But we were just all of us were frustrated with, with the situation. Um, Carl had come by that time. Um, we were just frustrated. And as the Lord was showing me this, he was like, pray. He was like, do what a text, do what I'm telling you to do in my word. Do what you're about to go preach. Pray for those who persecute you. So uh, we prayed. And um, by the grace of God, um, a couple hours later, situation with EJ and made the phone call. Situation was squashed and it was cleared. And ticket, I'm assuming, is done for. You don't have to worry about it. So. I know Michael's praising the Lord for that. Um, and so he really had that come to life for me in that moment. See, and then I, as I was reflecting on it, I realized that I had never I've had run ins with the police in the past and every situation. Um, I've never play, prayed for the police officers. I've never prayed for the situation. Every time that I felt like I was done wrong, um, unjustly accused or whatever the case may be, I never prayed for them. That was the first time. I had ever prayed for a police officer when I had a negative altercation with them. That was the very first time. And that was a lesson for me, um, like I said, to practice what you preach. And the Lord teaches his children in these ways and it makes it very vivid because, see, I had to wrestle with the emotions of being frustrated, of being angry. I couldn't just come and preach this without experiencing the emotions, the frustration, the actually feeling persecuted, actually feeling frustrated, actually feeling like someone was my my enemy and had been hostile towards me for no apparent reason. And so 
the text today from Matthew chapter five. Um, I want to just show you this in, in the in as clear as a way that I can, because the in this text, um, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So in, in Matthew chapter five, this is where Jesus um, has entered into his earthly ministry. And so at this point, this is his first major teaching um, as he's entered into the ministry and he has his disciples before him. And like I said, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this Sermon on the Mount, you see um, the Lord teaching about kingdom discipleship. He's teaching those who follow him what it means to be a disciple of his. And one of the things that he says um, in Matthew um, 5, chapter 20, is that our righteousness is supposed to exceed those of the scribes and the Pharisees. So he goes through these different statements where he says, you heard it was said from the Pharisees and the scribes. You heard it was said, but I say to you this. So he's going through these different statements. You heard it was said this, but I, Jesus, the Lord, the one who has authority over the scribes and the Pharisees, say to you this. And so Jesus is teaching in this dynamic, this you heard it was said, but I said to you this. And so, like I said, he's calling us to exceed the, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. That's a high calling to exceed this righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees who were supposed to be teachers of the law. And they had taught these people, they had taught the Jews all these different teachings that were low standard, according to God. Like the standards that they were teaching were not the standard that God was demanding. It wasn't the standard that should have been lived up to by the Jews. And so as you see here in Matthew chapter five, when he's teaching on this kingdom discipleship and this righteousness that you exceed, he says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, first of all, that's cross reference uh, from Deuteronomy. I mean, Leviticus chapter 19. Um, and in this, um, he says to love your neighbor. Nowhere in it does it says hate your enemy. This is something that either was misinterpreted or was added. Nowhere in this does the Lord say hate your enemy. But somewhere along the way, the, the Jews had learned this from the scribes and the Pharisees that you heard it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But then Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. Now, this isn't Jesus saying in order to become a believer, in order to become saved, that you have to do this. This is not what he's saying. It's not a salvation text that in order to become a child of the father in heaven, that you must love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But instead, is showing that this is how it's displayed. This is how it's put on display that you are a child of God in heaven. This is how it's displayed. And so loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you. It says, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous 
and the unrighteous. That's what's known as common grace. That God gives this grace to all people, everyone living, his enemies and his children receive this same common grace that the sun rises, the sun sets, the rain comes and the crops grow and food. They're able to get food and vegetables and fruit and all these things. It's a common grace that he gives to all the believers and the unbelievers. But there's a higher calling. There's a special grace that he gives his children and a higher calling that he sets on us, his children. I want to put a text on the screen. Because in Romans chapter five, we've already gone through this in uh, the sermon series that Pastor Altus has been going through in Romans. We've already gone through Romans chapter five. But in Romans, he is showing as Jesus preaches this. He himself put it on display for us. See, he's not calling us. He's not preaching to he wasn't preaching to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount and preaching something that he hadn't practiced. He had put it on display in the most vivid representation, the most vivid picture of how he put on display this very text. Loving your enemies is at the cross. Romans 5, 8. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His enemies. We were his enemies, still sinners. Jaquez was praying that he came down. He lived this life, this perfect life that we can't live. And he died on our behalf. He paid the wages of sin, even though he never sinned. Whose sin was he paying for? He was paying for our sins. He paid for our sins on the cross. He put into practice what he preached. And one of the more vivid um, illustrations, obviously the cross in and of itself. But I want to take you all to the cross and, and what was taking place at the cross. See. As it was led up to the time that Jesus would be on the cross, he entered into Jerusalem. It's known as the triumphal entry, where he enters into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people are around him and they're laying down palm branches. They're glad to receive him into Jerusalem. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, meaning you are the Messiah. You are the savior. They're praising him as he enters into Jerusalem. But just a few days later, some of those very same people were going to be before Pontius Pilate saying, crucify him, crucify him. The very same people. Jesus was beaten. He was falsely accused. His beard was plucked. He was spit on. He was beaten. Lashes. He was made to carry a heavy wooden cross. A crown of thorns was pressed on his head. He did that for us and he carried that cross. And when he was on that cross, they stretched him out wide. Nails in his hands, nails in his feet. They lifted him up. And as he was there, I should imagine this. As Christ is, is spread, he's, 
He's spread so far that he's grasping for air. He can barely breathe on the cross. He, he can't breathe very well, much less speak. But he says some things on the cross. And I want to show something to you that he said while he was on the cross, while he was being crucified, as he was persecuted and being nailed to a cross, left to die a sinner's death with criminals on both sides of him, although he was with no sin. This is what he said as he's on the cross. People are mocking him, laughing at him, saying, if you're the Messiah, won't you come down, save yourself. As he was being crucified, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He prayed for his enemies who were persecuting him. And not just those who were there that day. Because every lash, every pluck of the beard, every punch, every kick, every time someone spit it on him, that was us. Those marks were for our sins. He did that on the cross for us. And so he put that love on display, that love where he's talking about love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He did that. He put that on display at the cross. And I know some of us are thinking, I, I know I used to think this way and sometimes I still do. Well, that's Jesus. Like he's the God man, like 100 percent God, 100 percent human. I'm 100 percent human. I don't have any God in me in that way. Like I'm not I don't have any divinity. I, that's Jesus. Jesus can do that. But me, I'm not so sure that I can do those things. I'm not so sure that I can pray. For those who persecute you. I'm not so sure I can love my enemies. I'm not so sure I can bless those who curse me. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do. I was nowhere near the situation that Jesus was in when we were over there with those police, that police officer. And I had a hard time praying for him. Had a hard time. But because of the grace of God. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we, even though we're finite, we can do the same. We can live up to this standard, not because of who we are and how great we are, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in the believers. We can do this by the grace of God. With God. And there's an example of this in Scripture. In Acts chapter seven. There's a man, a believer, his name was Stephen. And Stephen was taken before he was preaching and he was taken before the council and the high priest. And the high priest, the Pharisees, they did not like what he had to say about Jesus being the Messiah. And so they took him before them and, and he gave this speech and he laid out all the history of the people of Israel. He laid it out all before them. And then he said, you stiff necked people. Because they just crucified the Messiah that they were looking for, that they were waiting for. They had just crucified him. You stiff necked people. And they didn't like that. And so they cast him out of the city. And they begin to stone him. 
And in the midst of being stoned, the very last words that are recorded in the scripture that Stephen said, as he was being stoned, he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He was not the God man. He was not Jesus. Stephen was a believer just like you and me who loved the Lord and lived his life to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the gospel truth. And he, in that moment, under those circumstances, had the power to pray to the Lord to not hold this sin against him. And he took his last breath and he died. That was the last thing that he said that's recorded in the scripture, praying for his enemies. So how much more are we ought to do that? How much more? Two things I do want to point out, and this is going to be wrapping it up. At the cross, back at the scene where Jesus was being crucified. Remember I said there were two criminals on each side as he was being crucified. Two criminals. As Jesus was having a hard time even speaking, they could hear him. There was even dialogue between the criminals and Jesus while he was on the cross. And as he prayed this prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As he prayed this prayer, I believe those criminals heard him. They heard him pray this prayer. And what happened next is interesting. So one criminal mocks Jesus saying what everybody else is saying. Save yourself. Save us. If you're the Messiah, save us. He mocks Jesus. So he hears that Jesus is praying for his enemies, having this type of grace towards his enemies. But yet he still mocks him. That's one of the criminals. The other criminal, though, I believe this criminal heard him and was so touched and moved that he looked and he believed. He believed Jesus was who he said he was. He looked to Jesus and asked him to remember him as he entered into his kingdom. And Jesus looked to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. That man was saved as he was breathing his last breath. This criminal, he saw what Jesus had done. He saw the grace that he had given. He saw that. Also, Stephen, as he was being stoned, there was a man overseeing it who was one of the greatest persecutors of Christians in his time. Hated Christians. He was a Jew of Jew. At the time, his name was Saul. And we know that he was saved and his name is Paul. But he witnessed, he witnessed at that moment as well, another believer, someone saying, praying for his enemies, saying, Lord, do not hold this against them. He witnessed that. Now, what impact that had on him? I don't know. But we do know the story that he was saved that he was one of the greatest persecutors of Christians. And now 13 of the books of the Bible that we have are letters from Paul to the church. Great, great saint, great man in the faith. He witnessed another person in the faith before he was saved. 
pray for those who are persecuting him. So my question to you is, how do we love our enemies? How what do we do with our enemies? Can we show this type of love towards our enemies? And what impact would it have if we did? What impact would it have on those who were persecuting us like Saul was persecuting Stephen? What impact could it have if we would show that type of love to those who persecute us? Now, I don't know your uh, chosen social media outlet, um, but for me, you know, it's not Instagram or Facebook as much It's it's Twitter. <laughs> and I get on Twitter and I see the commotion. I see all the chaos that's going on all around us right now, all over the country in Seattle, in Portland, in D.C., in Wisconsin. It's all over this country. There's chaos. There's battles in the streets. There's a lot of hatred. Enemies are at battle with one another. Enemies are fighting one another. There's no love on display. It's fighting. Constant battle. Constant fighting. Hostility. So in this time, in this day, as the church, more than I can imagine in this time, the world, the onlooking world needs the church to love, to love our enemies, to love those who persecute us, to pray for those who persecute us, to bless those who curse us. The onlooking world needs that from the church right now. Because you never know. You could be the one that the Lord uses because of your love towards your enemy that could bring salvation. The Lord could use that and bring salvation towards not only someone who is an enemy of yours, but someone who is an enemy of the Lord. Someone who is an enemy of God could come to faith if we would put on display this higher calling, this higher standard that the Lord has given us. And so church, today, the question is, what will we do with our enemies? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that you put your love on display. While we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of yours, your grace and your love extended out to us. And you died for us. Bringing us salvation. Lord, we thank you for this salvation that is found at the cross. That no matter our background, no matter where we come from, Lord, that we can come to you. That we can look upon the cross, that love that was on display. The fact that you practiced what you preached. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would empower us through the Holy Spirit to do the same. Yes. To practice what we preach. Yes. 
Lord, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to bless those who curse us. This is not to earn your salvation. This is not to earn favor, but this is because of the favor that you've displayed, that you've given us, the grace that you've given us, this free gift. And because of that, because of who you are, because of what you've done, we have the power through the Holy Spirit to love our enemies and to show a type of love that you can use to even lead to salvation of your enemies. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be the type of people that are by the book, by your word, practicing what we preach, not only being hearers, but being doers of the word of God. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminders that you've done it all. You've paid it all. We are not earning anything. You've paid it all on the cross. Your love was on display. We thank you that you prayed for us, for the Father to forgive us because we know not what we do. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Seem like saying we extend days. Oh, Sandy and I didn't sleep a lot.